0: During each year of instruction at the DigiPen Institute of Technology, students in various disciplines are required to take a games class. In these games classes, they come together in groups to design a gaming project. In the final year, these groups are asked to design a project that messes around with physics in a 3D environment. One such group of students developed a project based on the concept of portals, in which you could look through one and see out the other. That student project, called Norbacular Drop, eventually became the critically acclaimed puzzle platform game, Portal. Today we're going to learn about the history of Portal, looking at how a student project called Norbacular Drop became a game talked about as one of the greatest of all time. So stick around and join us as we gaze into our own portals on today's trip down Memory Card Lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 163rd episode of our video game history podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we'll tell you the history about one topic relevant to the current week in gaming history. It can be about a game, a console, a person, just something relevant to this week that I want to talk about. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the topic what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world in its legacy. Today, we're all going to learn about Portal, originally released as part of the Orange Box for Windows PC and Xbox 360 on October 10th, 2007. I'm David Kasson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who lost his curiosity course somewhere along the way. He's my brother, Rob Kasson.
1: Rob, where did your curiosity go? It went the way of the dodo, Dave. It did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. People just used and abused it until there was nothing left.
1: Well, I just figured out everything I wanted to know. Did you? Did you? You know everything. Everything that I want to (laughs) know.
0: That's not a big list, that is it?
1: Oh, you would have no idea, Dave.
0: It's big enough,
1: huh? That's what she said?
0: Yes. So what you been playing?
1: Well, Dave, this week has seen some Rocket League, some RuneScape, a little bit of Car Mechanic Simulator and Mr. Prepper. And Payday. Yeah.
0: And, pay- and Payday.
1: So a little little of a variety this week. How about yourself? What have you been playing?
0: Well, Rocket League, I think I managed to sneak in like 30 minutes of Mr. Pepper. You just reminded me that I played through the tutorial and then I played a little bit of Counter-Strike, which is, oh. I, don't have an, I don't have an explanation for you, so let's move on. Fair enough, let's move on. But today, we're going to learn about Portal. You a fan of Portal?
1: I have played Portal once or a uh, hundred times. <laughs> once or a hundred times. When's the last time you played Portal. Um, it has been a little bit because I haven't really picked up my Xbox in a while, so I'd say probably two years. Gotcha. Awesome.
0: So, in Redmond, Washington sits the main campus of the DigiPen Institute of Technology. Private university that allows its students to learn about computer science, game engine architecture, programming, game design, digital art, music and sound design, digital audio, and some other scattered... Uh, educational programs. Redmond, of course, sits in the middle of King County, Washington, which includes Redmond, Seattle, and Bellevue. These cities are all home to a significant number of technology companies, and more specific to our story, video game developers and publishers. Microsoft's headquarters is there. Nintendo of America is there. Their gaming studios are all on those campuses. Uh, Amazon is in Bellevue their can their studios are on that campus and then uh you know those are just the big companies if you look at a map there's a website that shows you a map of where game developers are there are 204 different video game related entities in king county is there
1: anything else
0: there <laughs> yes. Yes, it's like the Silicon Valley that's not Silicon Valley anymore. Like everyone moved up to up to up to that area. So that is just a lot. Big Fish Games is there, Cyan Worlds that we just talked about in their missed episode, Epic has a Seattle studio, uh Neantic of Pokémon Go fame is there, speaking of Pokémon the Pokemon Company International, which is a subsidiary of the actual Pokemon company, has an office in Bellevue. Oculus has their office in, uh, in that area. And uh, most importantly to today's story, the Valve Corporation is headquartered in Bellevue, Washington, less than 10 miles from the DigiPen Institute of Technology.
1: That's a lot of big names.
0: That's a lot of big. I mean, 204. There are 204. I mean, I just nitpicked some of the ones that you may know. There are other ones you may know. There are ones you'd never heard of, but there are 204 publishers or developers in that county. So if you want to get into video games, move to King County, Washington. One of the programs that DigiPen offers is called the RTIS, Real-Time Interactive Simulation Program. As Kim Swift, lead designer of Portal Putzit, it was DigiPen's name for a computer science degree with a specialization in computer graphics. In each year of the program's curriculum, students are required to take a games class in which they'll work in teams to make a game over a pair of semesters. First-year students worked together to make a text-based game, second-years worked towards a 2D game, the third-year project required networking and 3D, and in their final year, students were asked to play around with physics in 3D. Some of the team that would end up later working on Portal met as early as their first-year project, in which they all designed a turn-based strategy game called Invasion Squad 14. I don't know where the other 13 are, by the way. I checked.
1: Yeah, yeah, damn. You knew I was going to ask that, Dave. You just had to beat me to the punch.
0: Yep, 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 yep. When asked about the game in a 2009 interview, Kim Swift said, basically, you're in control of a spaceship, so each turn you get to decide what you plan on doing in the spaceship. The premise is that you come in contact with Earth and you're trying to figure out what to do with it. So in a turn, you could send units down to explore a particular area or maybe get the engineering team to build a weapon on the ship. The most fun outcome of the game is just to blow things up with an ion cannon.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty damn fun. Let's not let's not lie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Alongside Swift for the creation of Invasion Squad 14 were programmers Jeep, Barnett and Garrett Ricky. One side note, Jeep Barnett has a personal website, and on his About Me page, he had l- listed like things he's good at and things that he's okay at. So in case you are wondering, Jeep is just okay at uh, bass guitar, cooking, web design, and Korean, but he's pretty good at programming, game design, video games, and not dying.
1: So, so uh, does he have any siblings named like Ram- you know, or, I didn't
0: I, I didn't look him up that much. That would
1: it's I, such I, an interesting name.
0: No, that's why I had to add. I like, I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Jeep Jeep is a cool name. So I don't I don't know. I don't know. Never heard someone use that as a name before. By their senior year at DigiPen, most of the team that would later go on to work on Portal had come together with the addition of Dave Kircher Realm, Lovejoy, Paul Graham, and Scott Kintsworth over time. Realm is a good first name, too. Yeah, a lot of really good first names here. In the summer before their senior year, the team decided that they wanted to get a jump start on their games project and have a solid plan in place ahead of time. So Dave Kircher had been working on an idea in which you had these portals that you could look in and see out the other. The team was intrigued by the idea, so they all began to pitch ways in which they could be used. On top of that, they were pitching other game ideas. So the concept of building a portal game that was an environmental puzzler just kind of came from a mashup of other game proposals that were all kind of just swallowed up and put together along the way. What they came up with was a game called Narbacular Drop.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, what what was it called? Narbacular?
0: Narbacular. N-A-R-B-A-C-U-L-A-R. It was a puzzle platform game developed by this team, which called itself Nuclear Monkey Software. So, Narbacular Drop involves the plight of a princess, no knees was her name, <coughs> so named because she is unable to jump. Captured oh. by a demon, the imprisoned princess discovers that the dungeon she is held in is actually a sentient elemental creature named Wally. Using Wally's portal-making ability, the princess sets out to escape and defeat the demon. I'd like to add real quick that you seem to be confused about the word narbacular. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't exist in the dictionary. They made it up to aid in internet search results for the game.
1: That's clever.
0: Yeah, I know. So... In Narbacular Drop, the player can open a single pair of interconnected portals at a time, and they are styled as a huge face with flaming eyes, either orange eyes or blue eyes to tell them apart, and you and an open mouth. Like, like it's a huge face, it's got flaming eyes, and then you walk through the mouth uh, to see and walk through.
1: Hmm.
0: Neat. You... It's a point-and-click interface. You are allowed to put portals on natural surfaces. You can't put them on like metal or lava or there's some artificial surfaces. Um, aside from the portals, there are other game elements. There's switches and boxes and boulders that can crush the character. There are lava turtles that, that you have to avoid. It's only a six-level game. There's an unfinished boss level. And a bonus showroom that shows some of their art access at sets alongside unused materials. So it's really only about a 15 minute game. I mean, it's a student project, you know? Yeah. So this team creates this game as part of their senior year project. And understandably at this time, they're kind of all looking to the future. They're applying for jobs and having interviews. Um, And just going through the motions of what's next, because the end is near. Every year, DigiPen holds an expo for game developers. I mean, there's only 204 close by uh, to. Yeah, yeah. No, no big deal getting that together. No no big deal. Uh, So they hold an expo where game developers can come and check out all the work of their graduating seniors. So, of course, Narbacular Drop is put on display. And the development team meets various people, one of which is Robin Walker, who is a game designer from Valve. So Robin had worked for Valve for a hot minute. He actually was one of the people who had co-designed a Team Fortress, uh, the mod Team Fortress, when it was a Quake mod. And he stayed on that team through Team Fortress and Team Fortress 2. So he sees Narbacular Drop, and then he just proceeds to rip it apart he tells the team everything they did wrong they he commented that the game was very brown as kim swift tells the story she said that once they were sufficiently pulverized he gave them his card said good work and to stay in touch <laughs> what the hell <laughs> so a few days That's later awesome. so a few days later they decide to email him with the pretense of asking him what they could do to make the game better because they were planning on taking this game to the Game Developers Conference. The, at GDC, they have a student showcase. They were going to refine the game and take it to the student showcase at GDC. So they email the guy. In response, they get an invite to come and demo the game at Valve, which, of course, they accept. Their thought is, hey, this is super cool for a company of this size to give them the opportunity to show their game and give them feedback in person, you
1: know? Yeah, that's a pretty huge thing.
0: So they go to this meeting and they're stuck in a conference room. They're thinking that maybe a few people would show up, play the game and give them feedback. Uh, And then slowly the room starts to fill up with people. And not before long, it's just packed. And guess who walks in?
1: Uh, Who's that, Dave?
0: That would be the co-founder and president of the Valve Corporation, Gabe Newell. Hmm. So the team decides that Jeep would play the game to demonstrate it while Kim Swift does the talking. After about 10 to 15 minutes of the presentation, Gabe stops them and asks them what they're planning on doing after graduation. Of course, their response is that they're all looking for jobs currently. You know, Kim Swift said at the time she was actually interviewing with Crystal Dynamics, who was working on the 2006 would have been Tomb Raider reboots. Um, so they all were kind of in the process of doing all these these interviews and stuff. A short time later, they find themselves moved to another conference room and they're sitting across the table from Gabe. And he asked them on the spot if they'd want to come work for Valve and recreate an arbacular drop using the source engine. And that, my friends, is how a student project at the DigiPen Institute of Technology turned into an actual gaming project at the Valve Corporation. That, cool. is awesome. like, that is
1: freaking awesome. Like
0: that's frickin awesome.
1: That is just one of those things like having done an internship of sorts with my senior project and things like that would have been awesome to have gotten a company and then be like, yo, here you go. Like with my internship where I'm at now, it was kind of the same in a sense. But like I interviewed for it. I wasn't like this is what I did in school that then created my job. It was just I did well in school and that showed that I had prowess and could do well in my job. And they hired the whole
0: team. They hired that whole student team. That student team made up the core of the development team for Portal 2. So, I mean, it was just like, this is great. We see potential in this. Uh, we want to take you all in your entirety uh, so you can come do this for us. Come work for us. And, of course, they all said yes. Who wouldn't jump? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That you, You'd had to have been crazy not to go for that.
0: Yeah, who wouldn't jump at an opportunity to... To work for Valve, you know, they were a great team of designers, they had a great idea, and they put the time and the effort into making it real. You know, Rob, I'm sure that there are lots of people out there that have great ideas for a podcast, for example, but just don't know where to start, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to figure out how to record, how to edit, and put it all together, and then how do you get it all out to the people?
0: Well, if you're in that boat, we're here to tell you that we've got a great set of tools that can help you figure out this all-in-one place with Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform.
1: Zencaster has made it super easy to create our podcast every week. With Zencaster, it's super easy to record a podcast. Everyone logs in using their web browser, and you just start recording a high-quality podcast right away. It allows you to record up to 4K video with your guests. And with Zencaster's multi-layered backups, you always have the highest quality recordings, even if the connection is unstable.
0: With Zencaster, you never have to worry about what you sound like. Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes all those ums and ahs and removes all those awkward pauses in conversation, too. We have plenty of those. You can set the right podcast loudness. You can reduce the background noise. You can do all this with the click of a single button.
1: And if the thought of podcasting overwhelms you because you think you need tons of different tools and services, relax. Those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations.
0: So, if you'd like to start your own podcast, or maybe you already have one and you're looking to take it to the next level, we've got a deal for you. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use our offer code memory card lane, and you can get 30% off your first month of any of Zencaster's play paid plans.
1: Sign up for Zencaster today, and you can experience the same ease in producing your own high quality podcast as we do each week. Go out there. And make the next great podcast creation.
0: Speaking of great creations, Rob, once the development team of Narbacular Drop was hired into Valve, it became time to figure out how to turn their student project into something bigger. Portal was developed over a period of two years and four months, and the team never really grew larger than 10 people. And I mean the development team, the core development team. Like there were eventually marketers and, and, you know, things like that that got into it. But the core development team, 10 people. So there was a conscious decision made to keep the development team this small, and that drove decisions throughout the development process. So for the first year of development, the team focused mostly on the gameplay without any narrative structure. Their approach, according to Kim Swift, the lead designer, was the concept of design, test, iterate. Quite a few levels, she stated, came out of watching people tests and observing particular behaviors. She cited an example in which the designers had a room where they wanted to teach players to put a box on a button. The button was arranged, she said, to open a door at the far side of the room when held down. Hmm. Rather than finding the box, though, which was in a pit over to the side of the room, players were standing on the button and shooting a portal through the now open door. So to fix that, we put up a glass barrier in between the button and the door. But we also took the behavior of holding down a button with your own weight and shooting a portal through the open door and incorporated it into other levels.
1: Okay, that's freaking cool. And it, it uh, I'm assuming that this cube may have become something like the companion cube. Oh, hmm? perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Hmm. So as
0: the narrative came about, integrating it with this interactive and iteration concept helped Portal take shape. The team ended up hiring a pair of writers, Eric Wolpaw and Chet Falzak, to write the narrative for Portal. Uh, the two had founded, written, and edited for a video game commentary and reviews website called Old Man Murray. Old Man Murray was best known for its irrelevant, irreverent and satirical tone but it was also known for being critical of games that received strong reviews elsewhere. One major theme throughout the website was the accusation that many new games failed to add any original ideas to the medium. In fact, Gabe, once Newell, the co-founder and president of Valve, once cited the opinion of old man Murray as a factor when designing Half-Life. So when they were brought on board there was technically already a complete game experience, right? So the initial goal was to find a way to develop the setting and figure out a narrative that wasn't really counterintuitive to what was already in place. On top of that, it was a small development team, and that wasn't going to change. So they knew that they didn't have the resources to realistically create all these new art assets for a whole new world. So it made the most sense to put Portal In an existing universe. And for that. The team was partnered with Mark Laidlaw. The writer of Valve's Half-Life series. Because the ultimate decision was made to reuse assets from the Half-Life 2 universe. Now Laidlaw was initially against the idea. Because it didn't make any sense. Except from the resource point of view. And he felt that that just wasn't good enough. And that it made both universes smaller. But he was a company man. He was told to do it, so he played nice and he helped the team put the dots together. So early in the development process, the group sat down to decide what school of philosophy the game would be based on. Will Paul once said in an interview. That was followed by about fifteen minutes of silence. Then someone mentioned that a lot of people like cake. And as the gears began to turn in Will Paul's head about how to put narbacular drop into the half-life universe what he came up with what he envisioned was an advanced ai that was guiding players through a series of obstacles in an effort to test a new experimental portal gun device humor was in our wheelhouse he recalled thinking and we kind of figured that's what valve hired us for we didn't think that they hired these satirical writers to write drama So we just kept going with our style of humor. We started playtesting it, and it quickly became evident that this was the right direction to go. The first scenes that Walpole wrote, as it turns out, is probably one of the most memorable scenes from the game. You, as the protagonist Chell, approach the end of the final test chamber. And while you do so, a polite AI program asks you to place the portal gun on the ground and assume... The party escort submission position, pretty well known. Pretty well known scene in the game, huh, Rob? I would say so. Kind of that moment when the game takes a twist that a lot of people doesn't—they've never seen coming. Yeah, a little bit, you know. The team, the team loved this concept. They loved the ideas behind it. They loved the polite AI. They loved the humor. The concept of the party escort submission uh, position. And so they were on board with this idea and all the other ideas presented in Walpole's early draft, including the voice of the polite AI, so to speak, which became the genetic life form and disc operating system, also known as GLaDOS. In a 2007 rock paper shotgun interview, Eric Walpole described GLaDOS as an adversary personality that hadn't been done to death. I mean, GLaDOS does yell a lot and shoot rockets at you, which I guess is fairly traditional, but she's also kind of supportive and funny, and sometimes she's a little sad and even scared. You really get to know GLaDOS over the course of the game, and hopefully you feel like your actions are really putting her through the ringer emotionally. We give you some quality time to luxuriate in all the emotional pain you're causing her, which I think is a lot more satisfying than simply throwing a bomb into her exhaust port or whatever. That's not to say she doesn't get a few zingers in herself. She says some very hurtful things, and honestly, by the end, it's pretty clear that this sick relationship is unhealthy
1: for the both of you. Yeah, I would say so.
0: <laughs> I like that she says some very hurtful things. <laughs> That's an, I, I really
1: like that, because it's true. She gets some real zingers in, you know? Oh, absolutely. There, there are some uh, pretty good ones in there. He elaborates that they
0: designed Portal to have a very clear beginning, middle, and end, and that they wanted GLaDOS to have a personality shift at each of these points. But there's so much else. You know, Portal... Portal's an iconic game, isn't it? Uh, I I personally think so. I mean, I think a lot of people know things from Portal. I think If you hear portal, you you know what a portal is. I think GLaDOS at this point is a very recognizable character. The companion cube. I mean, there is merchant. I have a companion cube rug in my office. There's merchandise from from
1: this all over the place. I see a ton of stickers on the road of aperture laboratories.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, 2007 portal comes out and it's kind of a sleeper hit, but I mean, there were things and publications that called it the best game of 2007. I mean, I, I and then it's not to say too the ending music from portal is iconic too. There's just, <laughs> there's so many things about portal that, like, are part of gaming. The cake is a lie. The cake is a lie is a line from Portal, and that's an internet meme at this point. There are probably people that utter that phrase that have no clue where it comes from, but this is where it comes from, you know?
1: Yeah, and on the subject, you mentioned the song. I'm not gonna lie when I tell you that that's on my playlist. Yeah. Uh, staying alive is just... It's it's fantastic. Or still alive. Yeah. Sorry, not staying, but still alive. Yeah. It, there's just so much to this that's, like, iconic and...
0: So much of that is just the result of their design, test, iterate, development process. So, like, the sterile environments of the test chambers are a result of all the game testers spending too much time trying to solve puzzles by using decorative but non-functional elements. So they made the decision that all the decoration had to go. And now you have sterile test chambers. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's great. The companion cube. The inspiration for the companion cube was actually from Kim Swift and also uh, additional input from Mopal. They were reading some declassified government interrogation thing where isolation leads subjects to begin to develop attachments to inanimate objects. So, Swift later said in an interview, We had this long level called Box Marathon. We wanted players to bring this box with them from the beginning to the end. But people would forget about the box, so we added dialogue, applied the heart to the cube, and continued to up the ante until people became attached to the box. Later on, we added the incineration idea, the artistic expression grew from the gameplay. Wopal further noted that the need to incinerate the weighted companion cube came as a result of the final boss battle design. They recognized that they had not introduced the idea of incineration necessary to complete the boss battle, and by training the player to do it with the weighted companion cube, they found the narrative way stronger with its quote-unquote death.
1: Yeah, that was that was a sad moment,
0: a very sad moment. And then speaking of final boss battle, since one leads to the other, according to Kim Swift, the final battle with Glados went through many iterations, uh, including having the player chased by James Bond lasers, which were partially up- attached or applied to the turrets. There was a, a sequence uh, that they called portal combat, where the player would have needed to redirect rockets while avoiding turret fire and a chase sequence following a fleeing GLaDOS. Eventually, they found that playtesters enjoyed a rather simple puzzle with a countdown timer near the end. Time pressure, Swift noted, makes people really think that something is a lot more complicated than it really is. And while followed that up with, it was really cheap to make the neurotoxin gas in order to simplify the dialogue during the battle. So again, design, test iterate.
1: That's great.
0: Now if you're like me and you enjoy knowing the process behind your favorite games, one of the coolest things about Portal is that you can play the game in a developer commentary mode. So it's Portal but in this mode there are little sound bubbles that are in the levels throughout the game. You can hover over them with your Portal gun and it starts a little audio clip from the development team. There is a lot of great information tucked in there. You get to hear from just about everyone on the development team. They tucked commentary from Ellen McClain, the voice of GLaDOS in there. In fact, you get to hear the the delivery of some of her lines before the audio engineer's voice modulates all of them. You also get to hear her sing opera because she's a trained operatic singer. And she's funny, too. It's clear that she genuinely enjoyed working with this team and making the game. She brags about how they were fantastic at giving direction. She talks about breathing life into GLaDOS. She says that she never wanted to play a video game until she watched the trailer for Portal. She even talks about wanting to make the iconi- iconic cake for her friends and serve it to everyone.
1: But then not actually serve it? Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. Not exactly <laughs> serve <laughs> See, it. that would have been good. So if you check out our show notes... I've posted a YouTube video that shows most of the developer commentary from this game, and I really like one of the comments left on this video. So Tr walkaway 1933 wrote, I love how the de- game developers are explaining the difficulties in making the game, while Ellen McLean is just having fun talking about her experience voice acting GLaDOS. Which is true. It's like 33 minutes of commentary. We all know that you've wasted more time than that in your life on less important things. So take the time to check it out if you're a fan of this game or you really just enjoy knowing how games are made in general. It it really goes from like Ellen McLean talking about having a lot of fun, you know, changing her voice for GLaDOS to like, um, you know, how the portals are made, which, you know, from the programming standpoint, they're just virtual cameras pointed in the direction of the other portal at first. I mean, that's that's how they made the see through work. And then they talk about, well, once they made it, uh, they really struggled with the physics on the other side. Initially, there was like a 500 millisecond delay in physics calculations on the other side, which doesn't sound like a lot. But in the context of a game, uh, Mm, that is... Especially
1: one with his uh, muscle, like the precise timing you have to do for certain things. Very
0: true. So what they ended up (laughs) on having to do to get rid of that is they programmed a simulated physics environment immediately on the other side of the portal. It's faked basically. And then by the time you get through that, everything else catches up with it. And that little trick took them from 500 milliseconds to 10 milliseconds, which is where we stand now. And there's also, there's, there's all sorts of fun things in there. Uh, They talk a lot about how players tend not to look up when they're playing games And of course, there's times when you have to shoot portals either on the ceiling or um, towards the ceiling to make things work, like the drop sequences. And so like the first time you have to do that above you, there are pistons that bring the wall out that you have to shoot your portal on. And that was done specifically to draw attention to the fact that you had to shoot the portal up there because otherwise the players wouldn't really look up there to know how to do that little changes that are stupid, cool, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. No, this game had a whole lot of different stuff to it. And that's that's why I love it. And, you know, even having played it a, a, quite a few times, uh it's it's still fun, you know? It's it's a
0: lot of fun. It is. Um, I remember buying I, I, I say owned I own I still own my orange box. It's sitting on the shelf behind me. And I, I I, was thinking a lot about this. I don't remember why I bought it. I think I bought it because it was recommended to me to purchase this orange box, which had five games on it for a great value. I think Portal was recommended because the five games are Half-Life 2, And it's two, like, continuation episodes, uh, Half-Life 2 Episode 1, Half-Life 2 Episode 2. It also has Portal, and it has Team Fortress 2. Now, I would have played Half-Life 2 as a PC game prior to this. I don't know if I played either of the episodes prior to Orange Box, which I have now. Um, And, of course, this is where Portal came from, and... I don't think I ever played Team Fortress 2 on the orange box. I have a lot of time spent playing it as a PC game, but I don't think I don't think I honestly don't know. But I just remember. Do you remember? Did you own it as orange box or did you play it later as a PC game?
1: Like, do you remember? No, I own this game as Orange Box. I never touched Half Life Two, and I may have opened TF Two a few times here and there, but the basically, I got it specifically for Portal.
0: And I, I, I mean, I, I chances are I did too, having played the other games. But I just don't remember. I just don't remember who recommended it. I don't, I don't remember who recommended it. But what I do remember is. Going into it and playing and it's pretty clear early on once GLaDOS opens her mouth that this is going to be something different.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: GLaDOS has a lot of personality and personality in a way that just like that sarcastic, like dark humor is my thing. So like this just hit for me like this was fantastic and then i remember the portals were pretty mind blowing like not so much i can shoot a portal here i can portal shoot a portal there but i remember the first time my mind was ever blown when you have to shoot the double portal to keep your momentum going from a height the first mm-hmm. time I, that ever clicked for me and i realized what was going on like that's when my mind was blown because until then, like it's kind of trippy, right? Because you're shooting portals on a ceiling and on walls and like you go through the wall and you drop from the ceiling and your perspective has to immediately change. And that's really hard for your your brain to wrap around. Right. Which is cool. But then like once the physics comes into play and you're like, I have to double up on this portal to make me go further like that is freaking cool.
1: Um, yeah, it, it was definitely uh, that moment that it was like, wow, this is this is really unique because, you know, we have to do something multiple times to create that momentum or get the right angle trajectory. And it's just there is like it's really cool to see the physics in the game and have to think how it affects where you place everything and how it's going to react.
0: And then spoiler alert. You know, because we're 16 years past this now. So I imagine everyone's played this. The game kind of has a twist in the middle. It's not a, let me start by saying, if you've never played Portal, go play Portal. Portal is about three hours long. It's not a big investment. It's a three hours well spent. It feels like longer, honestly. It's one of those games that's just fantastic and tight-knit and a lot of fun. And so, like, it, it, um, yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. So spend it three hours, uh, but halfway through it, like, you break out of the test chambers and you, you know, they try to kill you, you get away, and then you're escaping through, you're trying to escape the facility. And so you're not in these test chambers anymore, but you're using the portal gun to, like, work your way through the, behind everything, right? Like the like and that's so awesome. Like not only does the context change, but now you're getting to see the inner workings. Like you can see tubes shooting the companion cube from point A to point B. And you're suddenly standing in these back offices. That was the window looking into the test chambers. And so you're escaping through the facility through the behind the scenes, which was like, okay, this is pretty cool that they put this together you know
1: they built both perspectives of the game so that you could see it from both sides you can be the test subject and the tester
0: yes 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 yes. so and portal is still pretty easy to get you can get it on steam I mean you can still buy orange box and you can get it on steam I want to say it's what 10 bucks let's look it up real quick it is 999. It is 999. Can you buy both of them together? I don't even know because you can buy collections. Um, so it's $9.99. Oh yeah, here orange box is $20. So you can either do that or buy that. Apparently there's a portal bundle, but I can't see its price because I already own it. Uh so on and so forth. Uh anyway. Um, so it's pretty easy to get. Rob, you said it'd been a couple years since you played it, right? correct i last played it probably would have been december or january because in december of last year they re-released it as portal with rtx so now nvidia has rtx which is their ray tracing technology and uh, they re-released portal last year with ray tracing technology which you know i mean Took the graphics up, didn't change the game, took the graphics up. Doesn't change the fixes physics or anything, just makes the game look great. And they released it in December of 2022. So I took the time to play it back then. Always have a lot of good time with it. It's a fantastic game. I would recommend it to anyone. But yeah, you know, they they have this game and you can play through it. And then you can play through it and have all these little commentary you know, developer commentary, 33 minutes of commentary that I would highly recommend going to check out. But Rob, there is one more thing that we already brought up that we should probably talk about. And that's the song that plays over the ending credits, you know? Yeah. So when asked about said song, Will Paul stated that not enough games end with a song. As a game player, it was always my dream to beat a boss monster so effing hard that it started singing. (laughs) He mentioned, he mentions a game called God hand that pretty much does that and how he's a huge fan of God hand. So it's very much an inspiration for them doing this. Um, And it really wasn't planned. Like they didn't go into this knowing that they wanted to create an ending song for portal. Um, Kim Swift had really liked Jonathan Colton, who's the writer of the song. She had invited him to visit Valve like a year prior to this all coming together. About the same time, she had shared some of his MP3s uh, of his songs with Will Paul. Um, But they really didn't know how he would contribute. They were thinking like they were looking at him as a contributor to Valve as a whole like maybe he could do a jingle for you know one of uh, Team Fortress's videos, or Gabe was notorious for putting out and trolling people, so they thought that maybe they could partner him up with Gabe, and he could you know work on that project. Um, but Colton came to Valve and he met with Will, Paul, and Swift, and it was pretty obvious in that meeting that he had all the right sensibilities to write a song for Glados. So they went back to Valve and they said, hey, we need you to write this guy a check so we can have him write a song for this game. And of course, they were hesitant because mm, not a thing, pretty much. But they went along with it. They the, Valve is notorious for trusting their development teams. And now we have one of the most recognizable songs from video games that isn't, you know, Mario or Zelda or one of the other iconic franchises that's been around for thirty plus years, or Halo. Um, and that would be still alive. And it, it's basically the polite AI who's not so polite by the end of the game, writing a song about I don't count like being thankful to that she's letting you still be alive, I guess is the best way to put it, right? Yeah. And talking that's about that's a good way of putting it. I'm talking about cake being a lie. and um, That's not really in the song, is it? Not just a line in the game.
1: It's a line. Mm, trying to remember. I feel like it's mentioned in there. I can't remember the whole song.
0: Yeah, it's definitely mentioned in there. I don't know. I I love, I still love Portal to this day. I For whatever reason, even though I know the story and I know the twist, I've probably played it a dozen times and it, it never really gets old and i don't play it enough that i don't play it enough that like it's intimately familiar if that makes sense like yeah the twist you know is coming and that race through the back end is like once you know you know but i never played enough that, like that i know it b- by the back of my hands
1: you know what i mean Oh, 100% every time I'm refiguring out how to play like it's the first time it's, you know, it's just one of those things that I wait long enough that I'm like, I don't remember this. It's not one of those games that I play enough that I'm like, all right, here's where I go this way and then that way and then left, right? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, on the topic of people that do know. Portal by the back of their hand, there is there's a speedrunning community around this that have learned all the little trips and tricks and going out of bounds and staying in bounds and they learn glitches and all sorts of stuff to to try to get through this game as fast as possible, you know.
1: Oh yeah, Dave. Well, it's weird that you're the one talking about it this time, but what's the, what's the record? Go ahead and tell us the quickest time. Have you looked up speedrunning on this? I have not. I've mostly avoided it because I don't want to learn them because I like figuring it out on my own. But I guess I I could have looked at the time. I just never thought to.
0: Well, the fastest someone has ever gotten through the game, the PC version of the game that I can find, is 5 minutes and 50 seconds.
1: Jesus, what?
0: On console, it's 10 minutes and 50 seconds. 49 seconds, actually.
1: Oh, so, my God. That and is that's ridiculous. by
0: And that's by using like... Uh, out of bounds glitches. If you have to stay in bounds, it's eight minutes and twenty two seconds. If you're, if you're doing it glitchless, meaning you can't use any of the glitches that they found as tricks to get there, the fastest anyone's ever been able to do it is fourteen minutes and twenty nine seconds. Oh my god! So like actually playing the game for real, fourteen minutes and twenty nine seconds.
1: That is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and we're like, oh, it's a three hour investment. These guys are like, nah. 15 minutes tops. I'll do it on my lunch break. No biggie. <laughs> I'll do it twice. I've watched, I've watched speed runs of it. It's pretty. It's pretty insane, to be honest with you.
1: Um, that is awesome.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's it's insane. I I don't know way to put it. I mean, we're always in all of speed runs, but doing it in five minutes and 50 seconds is just crazy to think of, you know?
1: Yeah, it's not like the Mario, the original Mario, where it's like, okay, you know, maybe it's a 20, 30 minute game and you're down to five minutes. Like we're talking a few hours for most people that you got down into five, 10 minutes like that's just mind boggling. But they did it. Yeah, there's a will, there's a way. So Portal,
0: the orange box was insanely successful. Um, Obviously, we're here talking about it, right? It, the orange box rated like the Xbox 360 version. I think it's Metacritic score is a 96 out of 100. So, nice. to, you know, to say that people loved it uh, was an understatement. IGN called it the best deal in video game history. I honestly don't think anything's ever beat it personally. Um, it won so many awards nominated or won game of the year. Um, outstanding achievement, in game design, outstanding character performance for Ellen McLean's uh, voice—you know—portrayal of Glados. It just it it beat the pants off of everything. And I mean, it sold millions of copies. I mean, it sold millions of copies. It was it was stupid popular. Yeah, and Portal. I don't know. I'd say that at this point, Portal is probably the most. Uh, I was I, so I was debating this while writing it. I I think now Portal is probably more popular than Half-Life. I think I think that fatigue has set in because we've waited so long for a Half-Life 3 that and there are so few of the modern generations that know what Half-Life 2 is. But thanks to things like the cake is a lie and still alive, I would say that younger generations most definitely know what portal is that. I think there'd be more hype over a portal
1: three as opposed to
0: a half-life three personally.
1: Uh, I mean, having not played the half-life games, I agree. I do know about the half-life three joke, uh, confirmed joke and all of that. But I mean, I'd, I'd definitely be hype if there was a portal three, obviously, but yeah, I don't I don't know as many people. Obviously, I do have friends that know both Half-Life and Portal, but I would say that more so I have friends that just know Portal than Half-Life.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think I just like I said, so long has passed since we've gotten a valid Half-Life game that uh, definitely. Um, definitely think that that portal is the more popular of the two nowadays. Um, so Portal 3, we need, we need Portal 3. Um, there, obviously, since we're talking about Portal 3, there is a Portal 2. I think it's significant enough that at one point we should do an episode on it. So I'm not going to go into that very much. Um, as part of that, there's a lot of additional media that we can talk about then. They've done some alternate realities in the series they've done like novels in the series they've been trying to do a film adaption the, the, the wikipedia entry literally says a film adaption has been in development hell since 2013 <laughs> wow damn as of 2022 jj abrams continues to express interest in bringing portal to the big screen i think portal would do really well at the big screen personally
1: um, yeah i think it could be a pretty awesome story I mean, it is, it, it,
0: you don't have to change it much. I mean, if you literally took the game and you turn it into a story, you, you could keep a lot, you don't even have to rewrite dialogue, really. I mean, it is an excellently written story, great dialogue, great everything. You know, there's, there's not much need to change things. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, they really, the nice thing about Portal 2, you know, is that they expand on the lore and everything of this one a lot. Like, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, And and so there's a whole lot to talk about when it comes to Portal 2. But Portal 1 was a student project that caught the eyes of Valve. That team was hired in to Valve to make the game. They brought on people to write a story around it. And then collectively, that team made what's now on the list of one of the greatest video games of all time. So.
1: Pretty freaking awesome story, Dave.
0: I agree. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those feel good stories that like right place, right time. I'm not saying luck had had much. I mean, luck always has something to do with it. But these students worked hard on a project and it it was great and it was seen by the right person. And now we have the brilliance, the absolute brilliance that is Portal set in in the half-life universe aperture science aperture science the competitor to black mesa so aperture science is having a meltdown with uh sentient ai while black mesa is suffering from an alien invasion i don't know what world these two companies exist in but it is pretty messed up so
1: it's just the future dave
0: it's you think it's the future huh
1: while well, we're getting there with sentient ai so oh that's
0: actually a good point that's actually a great point you know we've talked about half-life before we've done an episode on half-life so if you're curious about how half-life came about and wanting to talk about you know that universe you can do so by checking out that episode on our website which is found at www.memorycardlane.com
1: rob what else can people find on our website Well, Dave, people can find a calendar of our previous and upcoming episodes. You can find links to things such as our discord, where you can come hang out with Dave and I talk some games or talk, whatever, you know, whatever is relevant at the time. Uh, You can find thing links to our Patreon, where you can find uh, as a member to our Patreon group, you are given access to episodes that are unedited and ad free. And you can also find links to our social media. I can be found on several platforms as Rob underscore O underscore Raptor and Dave.
0: I can be found on various platforms as David is wrong. Each week, we'll tell you the story, the history, if you will, of one topic relevant to this current week in gaming history. Sometimes it's about a game, sometimes a person. Sometimes we talk about technology, consoles, places. I pick a topic that I can somehow tie to the week that this podcast was published, and we do a whole topic around it. While doing this podcast episode, we hope to teach you something new about the topic, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. The joy of doing this podcast, the satisfaction, if you will, comes mostly in learning. You learn, I learn. It's a lot of fun for everyone. Uh, When we teach you things, we learn while doing our research, and it's this beautiful cycle of learning and teaching. So in recognition of the beautiful cycle and the environment, the learning culture that we want to foster, so to speak, we go around and talk about our takeaways. So, Rob, what did you learn today?
1: Well, first, I learned that you know a lot of uh, ways to add length to an episode, uh, but I think that my I think that my favorite takeaway from today's episode has to just be the fact that this was a student project that got seen by the right person and got these people a career in creating a fantastic game series. Um, I mean, it's just it's one of those like you said, it's a feel good story, but it's it's also just the fact that these students were so passionate about this project, put so much into it, and obviously were so talented, and just by getting it in front of someone, they were able to just find everything. I mean, it's it's just really cool. Again, we talk about the hard work that everyone puts in, and we're talking 10 developers that made this game. Not that it's the most complicated of games, but that's a small team, but they chose to keep it that way, even for future developments, because it was the same group came out of this as students and it's cool because you know you get your college buddies and you get to work with them again that's that'd be freaking awesome to work with your college buddies come on that
0: really would be awesome
1: so that that's mine what about yours dave
0: i had never played or paid attention to Narbacular drop before i knew that I knew that Portal was the result of a student project that, you know, that team got hired into Valve. Uh, I didn't know the details of the story, but I knew the basis of it. So, you know, of course, this time I got to dive into the specifics and I got to, uh, you know, I took the time to find Neurobacular Drop and pay attention to Neurobacular Drop. And um, that was really fascinating. I really liked the fact that, like, this, the original concept of Portals was like, the mouth of a creature, like you, literally like it looks like a big, a big monster face with the open mouth, and you walk through the mouth of the monster. And for some reason, I'm really, I was really intrigued by the fact that that's how the portals were originally styled. Wally's portals were originally styled because Wally's the being that you're in in their backler drop. So,
1: right, um, and the fact that these portals were created for nonies, which is why you can't jump. <laughs> yeah
0: no needs yeah um this is fascinating you know I, I had the time to dive into a lot of uh, I watched you know all 33 minutes of commentary and I dug into interviews with Kim Swift and Will Paul and some of the others and the commentary on the game is not the first time I went through it but you have a different perspective of it once you research who's who And where they came from and where they've been. And it's really kind of fun putting voices to everyone. Because you hear from most of the development team. You know, Jeep and, and Dave and everyone. Everyone's got some commentary somewhere in the process. So that's a lot of fun. So this was just a lot of fun to dive into. So yeah.
1: And that, my friends, is the history of Portal. A fantastic story indeed. As great as it was, Dave. The cake still is a lie. The cake
0: is most definitely a lie. And on that note, we'll have to look at next week. But before I do so, is there anything that you'd like to add to today's episode?
1: Well, Dave, as always, I do want to take one quick moment to say thank you so much to everyone for listening. It means the world to us, and we hope that we bring you some joy. And if not, well, that's on you, and that sucks.
0: It does. It sucks hardcore. Well, next week...
1: Should we look at next week or should we just end it there? I I don't know, Dave. Uh, The the awkward pause is real.
0: The awkward pause is real. Don't worry. Zencaster's one-click podcasting editing suite will take care of that awkward pause.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And all of my hard work.
0: Next week, we're going to be talking about the concept of video games as art as we learn the history of 2005's Shadow of the Colossus released for the playstation 2 in october 2005 shadow of the colossus is an action adventure game that is well known for its minimalist design immersive gameplay and emotional story and we're going to discuss all three so stick around and get ready to say a whole lot with a whole little on yet another trip down memory card lane to the thing
1: <laughs> nice